Doesn't Like Fish by C.M. Davis June 1940 By the time Peggy Ladner reached the village hall, he was the only one left. Behind a makeshift desk, two council officials frown and shuffle dry papers, failing to account for this leftover child. This Maliki? Oh, how do you pronounce that? Oh, goodness knows. Just call him Malcolm. Was now an administrative headache of the highest order and would possibly have to be sent back to London on the very next train. They checked their list again. But ah, here was Mrs. Ladner, all bosom and bluster and apologies for falling asleep and missing the whole darned billeting thing. She'd been doing the washing all morning, you see, getting the house ready for her girl, and just rested her eyes for a moment after lunch anyway. Here she was, ready to do her bit for the war effort. So, where was her girl? Her sleeves rolled up, help around the house, not scared of hard graft little Londoner. When she gets the boy back to the cottage, she places him carefully in the middle of the living room, appraising him from all angles. One pale, skinny hand clutches a small suitcase and the other grasps the soft leather strap of a gas mask. There's a label tied round his neck with parcel string and Peggy knows, just knows, that the woman who wrote it wears red lipstick and regrets the loss of her figure. Malachi Weintrop, age nine, the label says, doesn't like fish. He's pale, nearly see-through, like one of the sad jellyfish that wash up in the harbour every summer. Well, that's not far from the truth at all, is it? Who knew a child could be so pale? Doesn't the sun shine in London? He doesn't even really look like a child, more like the ghost of a bigger, healthier, normal boy. Does he eat properly? Yes, this is a lad who spent nine years being seen and not heard and ideally not being seen at all, thank you. She fetches the council's letter from the dresser and her reading glasses. Cornwall County Council. Instructions for the billeting of children from the Jews Free School, Bell Lane, London to Mousel, Cornwall, 14th of June, 1940. War effort and so on, Cornish welcome and so on, period of adjustment, yes, yes, ah, oh, this was it. Two vests, two sets of underpants, two shirts, three pairs of socks, two pairs of shoes, one set of bathing trunks. Bathing trunks? She struggles to picture him down on the harbour with the other boys, throwing himself from the harbour wall, shuddering with the shock of the cold and then scrambling out quickly to throw himself off again. Could he even swim, the poor lad? London's in land. How would he have learnt? Would he be allowed in the sea? After all, they have rules about these things, don't they? One warm coat, one pullover, one pair of Wellingtons, if available. Well, he certainly doesn't have a pair of Wellingtons about him. Oh, why did she agree to do this? At her age, alone, widowed so young, she was barely married at all. She glances at the wedding photo on the mantelpiece. He'll be laughing at her now. In heaven, of course, him being a good Methodist man. But they never found him. He'd never washed up. 
she pulls herself together. Important to do one's bit. And still, it's ten and six a week. By four o'clock, she's shown him round the cottage and the little bedroom where he'll sleep. The backyard, the sheets and the cat. He says, yes, Mrs Ladner, and no, Mrs Ladner, in a funny little voice and... Seems wary of seagulls, which is perfectly understandable and a good sign. She puts them at the kitchen table and fills the teapot. Cooey, Peggy, it's only me. Let's see her then. Peggy's neighbour and lifelong friend, don't you forget it, Minnie Madron, flies into the kitchen without waiting to be invited. The knocking, as usual, is purely ornamental. Something she once saw someone doing in a play and rather took to it. Now, on seeing the boy, she stops short in the doorway. Peggy lowers her voice. He was the only one left. Oh, Peggy, poor little soul. He came with a note, says he doesn't like fish. Imagine. Peggy sends him into the backyard with a stick. To chase away the gulls from the white slices of bedsheets drying in the sun, Monday is washing day. I'm worried he's a bit, you know, slow, she says to Minnie. Oh no, he's probably just homesick. What else did he come with? Next to nothing. Peggy shrugs, pouring the piping tea. A few bits and a gas mask, of course, they all have them up there. Eerie looking thing, I've locked it in the dresser. What does he eat? Bread and butter so far. They sip their tea. Was he clean? Clean as a whistle. Jenny's got two, you know. Loud they are. I can hear them yelling over the back wall. Something about boots. Peggy looked out into the yard. He said nothing about boots. <sighs> I made a saffron cake yesterday. Perhaps he'd like that. She takes the plate outside and almost can't find him in the crisp white forest of laundry day. Her heart stops for a moment. Has he run away? What would happen? He'd be intercepted, of course, and probably deposited up the school for her to collect, labelled troublemaker by the headmaster, a man as tall and thin and mean as the cane he carries about the two tiny classrooms, occasionally stroking with a gentle menace. No, she can't let that happen to the boy. And oh goodness, what would they all say if hers was the one who ran away? But no, there he is, sitting like a little soldier, straight-backed between two flapping bedsheets, clutching the stick tightly and gazing up at the sky. Have some cake, love. And she waves it under his nose. If she's not mistaken, he looks a little healthier already. Or maybe it's the vivid yellow of the saffron reflecting in his face, like the buttercup game she and Minnie would play in the fields. Gosh, half a century ago. He takes the plate as the cat weaves around his ankles. No, she's not mistaken. On oh, my dear husband's grave, I swear. That child just smiled. Down in the harbour, the day's catch is being hauled in, and the gulls circle as close as they dare. Old-timers mend nets on the sand. The children huddle and paddle in the cool shallows of their new world. 
Oh, it's much colder than I thought it would be. It's colder than the swimming baths in Bethel Green. My feet are frozen right through. It's so big and all. Ain't it big? Is it always sunny? Don't they have funny accents? And in it odds, how much they talk about fish. In the cottage, Minnie reaches across the table to take her old friend's hand. Don't worry yourself, Peg. You'll rub along together. Make the best of it, eh? Like we always do. Besides, Jenny said hers came with nits. Doesn't Like Fish, written by C.M. Davis and read by Olivia Lowry, Nina Hills, Keith Sparrow and Aidan Nightingale. Directed by Connie Crosby, with sound recording by Phil Innes. This is part of a series of bedtime stories for grown-ups, produced by The Writer's Block.